When Ida was 16, she had a sleepover, and she wrote about it in her diary. Monday, January 14th. Kathy missed her bus and stayed over. It was nice. I hope she likes it here. Apparently, her mother lets her sleep anywhere, just like that. (laughs) She's lucky. That's Ida reading from her teenage diary. I'm Dan Meisner, and this, this, right now, is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing tonight? It's very, very nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at the Charlotte Street Arts Centre in Fredericton, New Brunswick, we have a coded crush, a passive-aggressive letter about body piercing, a robbery at the local bank, and much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and by looking back at it, this stuff can help us understand who we are. So think about who you were when you were a kid and stick around. When Ashley was 16, she really, really, really wanted to get her tongue pierced. But her parents didn't approve of the idea. So in an effort to persuade them, Ashley wrote her parents a letter. And we're going to hear it tonight. Please welcome Ashley to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage. February 13th, 2003. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Jeff Sangster, (laughs) I would like to address you of the current situation I've been put into. As you are aware, I would like to get my tongue pierced, and since you know this, you also know that you have previously ignored and or denied my wishes. I have come to the decision that this is the last and, may I say, the most mature approach. I think that it's only fair to warn you that I have a counter-argument and a refutation for each argument that you have. (laughs) Such as, it's my own body. It's a piercing. It will grow over if I take it out. I can pay for it on my own. I can drive if you're not available. You are keeping me from being an individual and expressing myself. I and others think it looks good. You are just ashamed of having a child with a piercing. You won't be able to see it unless I show you. I will be healthier because I won't be able to drink pop. I still wear my retainer so my teeth won't get hurt at night by chewing on it. I'm legally allowed to do it without parental consent. If you haven't noticed, I have given this a great deal of thought. And I have looked at this situation from all angles, and I don't see a reason for you to disagree. I would also like to remind you of Voltaire's quote. disapprove of what you're saying, but I will defend until your death your right to say it. That's misquoted. (laughs) Even if you don't like it, you are going against my right as a Canadian citizen to have freedom of expression, and you should accept it. Why is getting my tongue pierced any different than my ears or my belly button? I would like to conclude this argumentative opinion piece by saying this. 
I have looked into all aspects of having my tongue pierced, and I accept everything that will come with it. I will also take exceptional care of it, because I really want it, and I love oral hygiene. (laughs) I have been very grown up with my approach, and I would ask that you think about it reasonably, and hope that you respond with the same maturity and fairness. Thank you for taking the time to read through this information and my opinion on this matter. Thank you. Love always, Ashley Sangster. Thank you. Ashley, everybody. Okay, the burning question. Did you get your tongue pierced? I did. When Maria was nine, she had a crush on a boy, and she wrote about him in her diary. But Maria was worried somebody might snoop. So, as an effort to hide the true identity of her crush, she wrote his name in code. She encrypted it. But it wasn't hard to crack the code, because... Conveniently on the first page is a legend. (laughs) Um, Just in case anyone did need to sneak a peek and let him know. (laughs) Uh, December 7th, 2000. Top, 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 top secret. I've really got to admit, I like 1714122626520. December 8th. How me and one seven fourteen twelve period two underline got together. Joan was babysitting Jane, my sister and I, so it was very hot out, and we went to the park. And Scott, his brother, was there. And after Jane and Scott went to the swings, I was trying to do cartwheels, and then he came up to me and said, "Dot dot dot brackets." By the way, I didn't like him at first. What are you trying to do? I said, a cartwheel. And then he started to do some pretty weird ones. Then we talked a little. Then I was like in my head, this is not love. This is not love. (laughs) But it was. (laughs) I insert a little emoji with the open surprise face. Those were the only words we did ever speak, but... (laughs) I continued in my love. So, December 14th, 2000. 171412, period two, dyed his hair with not exactly streaks, but places blonde. <laughs> February 1st, 2001. Guess what? 171412, period two, looks good in his snowsuit, but. <laughs> but has weird skates (laughs) and there is an illustration but we'll skip past that (laughs) Valentine's Day 2001 today is skating I bumped into 171412 period 2 and it sounded like he said sushi to me (laughs) 
of course, a couple months passed, and um, we still didn't talk, and I started to try to move on with my feelings um, <laughs> through songs and poetry. So, in March, I write, I dedicate this song to one seven fourteen twelve period 2. It's in the movie Snow Day, but I don't know the artist. Update, April 29th. Hoku is the artist. Another dumb blonde. Here's a clipping. It's all right. It's okay. You never loved me anyway. And I think it's time for you to just move on. And here's a clipping of a song I made up. (laughs) I got a new guy now. I don't need you anymore. It's time to walk out the door. And this is the final mention of 171412, period two, uh, in my nine year old diary. I dedicate another song to, <laughs> to him. I don't know what the title is, but here's a clipping I'll get over you, I know I will. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Nothing says romance like decimals. One of the great things about our live events is that all sorts of surprises and unexpected things can happen. For instance, in Fredericton, when we first arrived at the venue, we met a guy named Mike who was working at the Charlotte Street Art Center. We told him a little bit about our show, and he told us that coincidentally, he had just found the school journal he kept in first grade. It was written in a Hilroy-branded notebook, or what some people call a scribbler. But not just a Hilroy scribbler, it's the Hilroy scribbler cut in half, and it's... <laughs> Please welcome Mike to our stage. Hello. Hello. Grade 1, 1988. Today is my dad's birthday. On dad's lunch, mom put happy birthday. Dad is 42. I like to go sliding. I like to go on my crazy carpet. Peter, my brother, gave me a California raisin, and I like to play with it. I wish we could go to PEI this year. I like dinosaurs. Because they are big and scary. I love mom and dad. Still true. I like to go outside and play on my crazy carpet. When I go downhill, I go on the jump. I go in the air. That's still true. (laughs) I am happy when dad tickles me. I am happy when I go to school. That changed. (laughs) Um, Basketball, skateboarding. 
<laughs> I am sad when people break my toys. I am sad when people don't let me in my room and I get mad. I think people was my brother Kevin. <laughs> Last night, I cut my knee and it was a line of blood. This is, yeah. <laughs> when I grow up, I would like to get a job. I am, I'm working right now. <laughs> if I had a pet store, I'll have all the animals. <laughs> Yesterday, Mom got me seven lollipops in a pack, and they were good. She let me eat them. <laughs> Um, when I was scared of the dark, it was very scary. <laughs> I have a Ghostbuster yo-yo that does tricks that I can't do the tricks yet. <laughs> I have a hat that has a fisherman on it. My cousin left one of his muscle men in my car. <laughs> uh, if I had a pet store, I would have my very own turtle. Um, I'm glad that we are doing our Easter bonnets. I'm happy that we're going to the Easter parade. <laughs> Mama said that my Easter treats have to be out of my stomach in two weeks. <laughs> Thank you. Poetry is always popular at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, and our next reader, Kathy, brought a love poem she wrote in high school. Now, this is not a love poem about anybody in particular. Rather, it is a love poem designed to work in many different situations. So Kathy called it... Economy, generic, love, poem. <laughs> oh, my dearest, place name here, please print... You are the only check all that apply Boy stroke girl stroke other check one for me <laughs> I'll love you for circle appropriate answer ever This afternoon, 50 bucks <laughs> You have the most beautiful insert body part of your choice here <laughs> Batteries not included. And I love you with all of my C above. You are an integral part of my home entertainment system. When you're far away, all I do is bend, spindle, and mutilate. 
And when you're with me, I forget that you're not to be taken internally. <laughs> if you do not accept a rose, B, master charge, C, personal check, I shall expire without renewing my warranty. I want to be your understand-signed. You have the only, only manual for me. Thank you. Right now, we are going to continue on with the poetry. Our next reader, Joe, is going to share a couple of poems that he wrote in his early teens. These were not poems Joe had to write for school because he was made to. These were poems that he wrote on his own time for his own creative expression. Please welcome Joe to our stage. A couple of different ones. I'm going to start with one called Worms. (laughs) Pink and white strings, rubbery elastic strewn on wet streets in puddles beside curbs. I gather them with my fingers, collect them in my pockets, always wearing the green side out. It was less bright than chicken yellow, but less waterproof. Mother would reverse the coat next time it rains, turn the yellow side out, and checking the pockets, finds my dried-up worms, throws them out. So I have to collect more. (laughs) Taking forever, going to and coming from school, watching underneath my every footstep and black and red gumboots splashing through every puddle and stream, picking the biggest, longest, bestest worms, regretting the ones stepped on, that were squished by cars and other kids. A longer one, eels and ghost trout. One. After Hurricane Beth ripped through, the lake is yellow and warm. We are not allowed to go swimming. The water alive with microorganisms, churned up and full of debris washed from the surrounding slopes by almost a foot of rain in one day. On our hilltop, the streets are rivers. Storm sewers overflow, trees ripped apart from the top down, broken branches everywhere. Wind lifted the gymnasium roof at school and put it back down. After the hurricane, I find eels in the stream flowing out of Bell Lake. Mother and her parents, who have lived here over 20 years, have never heard of eels in Bell Lake. The hurricane must have stirred them up in the other end of the lake by Settles Field, the deep end. Two weeks before my 10th birthday, my last summer in the small above-ground bedroom with a blue boy print framed on the wall, the room overlooking father's garden and woodpile, a neighbor's triangular ham radio tower between their house and this room. I can see his basement radio room and spend hours watching a solar-powered radio meter spin inside its glass sphere on his window ledge. Two. The painted turtles I find in Bell Lake are turtles caught in Settle Lake and abandoned in Bell, with notches and string holes drilled to their shells. 
Trotorum were to be in the lake. The city tried stalking Bell for fishing, but said the water was too clean for fish. It is our water supply. No bona boats permitted. It is too empty of fish food and plant life. The lake cleared to the bottom at 20 feet and coal from springs that filled it up, bubbling up through gravel and years of runoff from the subdivided Bell Farm. One morning down at the rocks, playing on those crumbling concrete blocks from the war-torn observation tower pushed into the lake years ago, I look in and see the flicker of four or five trout almost invisible against the mud and rock bottom. I've never seen them since. And the last one is a night falls in the basement. Basement wolves are waiting for me. Their moon shadows slink back and forth across windows, opening onto the garden. They are watching. Basement windows, no barrier against my fear of their yellow eyes menace darkness my child mind. Each gray step down into the basement could be my last. They have, <laughs> they have hidden the light switch from me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> When our next reader, Brittany, was eight, she wrote a short story. And you could call it a mystery story or you could call it a crime drama because it's all about a group of friends who investigate a bank robbery. Live on stage in Fredericton, here's Brittany. Royal Bank Mystery, Chapter One. (laughs) Let's get started. There had been a robbery and kidnapping at the Royal Bank last night. Jen turned off the TV because she heard the doorbell ring. It was her friends, Laura, Lauren, Caitlin, and Brittany. Jen asked, have you seen the news? Lauren answered, yes. It tells you that the bank's been robbed and a guy has been kidnapped on the same night. (laughs) Let's go to the bank, said Brittany. Sure, they all yelled. (laughs) Chapter two. (laughs) Dog prints. They asked if they could look around. The girl said, sure, sounding scared. They found some places that looked like great spots to find some clues, but the police would not let them. They went outside to look at some of the houses, but still could not find any clues. Caitlin said, great, now we'll never solve this mystery, as they were walking back to the bank. When they got there, Laura said, Never say never. Look, dog prints. <laughs> Chapter three. <laughs> Stairs. Lauren said, dogs come by here every day. No, dogs aren't allowed in here. It was starting to get dark, so they all went home and promised to meet there at 12 o'clock p.m. The next day, they all did meet at the same spot. <laughs> Lauren wasn't sure, but said, time to follow those dog prints. Look, the dog prints turn into people and dog prints, whispered Jen. 
I guess the dog must have stolen the money and the person came out to get him, yelled Brittany. (laughs) Yes, and look, he must have been running because his footprints are farther apart. Laura yelled softly. (laughs) Let's search the grounds. They all ended up in the backyard, and that's when they saw, dot, 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 stairs going underground. Chapter four. Case solved. (laughs) Spoiler alert. They didn't know if they should call the police or look. They all decided to go in. That's when they saw a guy tied up. They untied him and asked, what happened? He answered, two nights ago. Just then, Lauren interrupted. First, let's get out of here. Later, the guy started again. Two nights ago. I was at the bank, and a guy came. He tied me up, and he brought me here. I'm not sure if he stole the money. Yes, he did, said Jen. Why don't you call the police, Lauren, said Brittany very quickly. Okay, and she rushed to the phone. In a half an hour, the police came, arrested the guy, put the money back in the bank, and said thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, and they put the man in the hospital. (laughs) The girls all went to Laura's house, and they all cried out, case solved. The end. When Rebecca was a teenager, she kept a private journal. And at our Fredericton show, she shared a few entries. I asked Rebecca just before the show what these journal entries were about, and she said they chronicle her first love. Please welcome her to our stage. A quick heads up, Rebecca uses some cuss words in her journal, which we do not bleep. Uh, So to begin, I always named my journals, and that's who I'm addressing. February 7th, 2000. Dear Enza, here's my new journal. Couldn't be more happy. I don't have a lot of time to write stuff, but here's the gist. I still like Mark. I still like Craig. I still like Grant. Hmm. I found out that Mark has a G slash F. Sad emoticon. And so does Grant. And Craig. What, what a predicament. I hate, but I love to daydream. Everything works out and I get to be happy with the one I like, but I also hate it because eventually you have to wake up to fucking reality. Enza, I'm not feeling any better. I still really want to be with Mark. I was starting to think about how fucked everything would be if we went out. I think... I, I was never meant to be with anyone. Sigh. Tomorrow's another day, and I have to see Mark and talk to him. Maybe he'll send signals suggesting he likes me, or he doesn't. Or maybe everything will go completely opposite and we'll live happily ever after. 
Bonanza. How's this for irony? Mark is not even at school. The bastard. <laughs> well, we'll find out why uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I was kind of lonely slash sad slash depressed slash nothingness. <laughs> All my lovely theories of how things would have worked out, but no, nothing is as it seems. Nothing at all. I hope he's here tomorrow, and if only things would work out. Enza, I've been so close with Mark lately. It's weird. It's like flirting, but I think he still has a G slash F. I feel he likes me because I swear I saw some sort of love in his eyes. I swear I almost felt it. All the snowball fighting, the physical action of cute fun, like throwing into the snowbanks, the poking, tickling, and so forth. Sigh. I don't know what's going on. Enza. So now, I'm going out with Grant. that's such a good idea. He seems a little off. Uh, can't say why. It's something about his personality. He's hiding something. So far, so good, though. I don't want to be without Mark. I've never liked anyone for so long or so much. I feel wrong with Grant. It's just a filler for what I want with Mark. It's the sad truth because I love him. October 22nd, 2001. Cammy, I don't know where to start. Mark has left, but I did get a chance to tell him how I felt for the longest time. I kind of feel relieved after it all, but the jealousy continues. What can I say? I'm spiteful. But I miss him. That bastard hasn't called yet. Damn, I miss him a lot sometimes. But yeah, I think I'm less depressed about it all. Too bad it took so damn long. Well, not much else to say about that. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I went back and forth between feeling deep sympathy for Grant, but also worrying about how sinister he sounded. <laughs> Bredderton, that has been Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Huge round of applause for everybody who read tonight. So, so, so good. Thank you to Alex for doing sound tonight. Thank you to everybody here at the Charlotte Street Art Center, Dominique and Mike especially. Thank you to my wife, Jenna. Thank you to me, Dan Meisner. Stick around, say hello, get home safe, and we'll see you soon. Dig up your own kid writing, Fredericton. Bye-bye.
I have a Ghostbuster yo-yo that does tricks that I can't do the tricks yet. (laughs) 